Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 here on What About Therapy. I'm your host, Enoch Fossum. I'm a certified mindfulness life coach, and I'm currently going to school to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So this is another very special episode because we have the one and only, the What About Therapy, uh, I don't know what you want to call him, celebrity, Austin Ivy. And we have some good news, some exciting news about Austin and I, so go ahead and keep on listening. But anyways, we're going to be talking about anxiety and why we think pills aren't really necessary to combat anxiety and to overcome it, to go on and live a really successful and goal-driven life. So all that and so much more coming up next here on What About Therapy. All right, everybody, like you heard in the intro, we have our boy, Austin Ivy back in the show, baby. <laughs> Good to be here. So I want to cover a couple of housekeeping items before we begin. Number one, I'm going to be moving the Monday Mindfulness and Meditations to every other week instead of every week. I just feel like that's a not necessarily a bit more manageable for me, but just better to space it out. I mean, you know, just as. I don't, I don't, I don't think I need to explain why. Just, just <laughs> as. And that's what I'm going to be doing. And second of all... We have some big news. Isn't that right, Austin? Oh, yeah, we do. So we, we were just talking about this, and Austin's been on the show a couple times, two times. Two times, right? to be exact. Two yeah. times, yeah. And we talk a lot about therapy together. We talk about what we're learning a lot, and it's really fun. And we both really love recording together. And so, drum roll, please, Austin's now going to be a co-host woo, woo, <laughs> for What About Therapy? It's going to be awesome. An honor. Now, a co-host, we we're saying, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't think we even know yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just, I mean, we're going to see, because we want to, we're going to try and record, you know, maybe at first every other week or go into every week together. But if not, like we want to put out an episode every week, but if one of us can't do it, then we're not going to not release an episode because one of us can't do it. We're just going to release an episode and, you know, kind of just go about it that way so austin's officially now on the team oh yeah army of two baby (laughs) (laughs) all right so i think that's it yeah as far as housekeeping items go so we're just going to jump right into it here austin's topic is i think it's going to be awesome so pay attention and let's get right into it all right well thank you so much and i'm excited to be a co-host it's been a heck yeah something i've been thinking about a long time anyway so i hope everyone likes listening to me as much as i like talking so also real quick sorry we i mentioned a couple episodes ago that we're working on a website yes that's still in the works okay we didn't forget about it it was just kind of on hold there for a second but so that's coming in the future we'll update you every week and when it drops we'll definitely make sure to let you go let you know we'll post it on instagram facebook what have you all so, the social medias. Yeah, all the platforms except the, Twitter. I mean, I don't have Twitter. Do you have Twitter? I don't have Twitter. No, yeah. it's a... It won't be on Twitter. So, <laughs> Talk all right. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No that Twitters. Was... No, it's all good. Um, <laughs> Let's go. But yeah, as the title says, uh, the topic is anxiety today. And specifically how the best anxiety medicine doesn't come in pill form. And before we kind of got into this and the topics of treating and taking care of anxiety in your life and Anyone who's listening that may have some type of anxiety disorder that they feel like they struggle with, me including, I struggle with my own anxieties every day. I have it diagnosed, 
anxiety disorder myself. Um, and so the things that I'm talking about today are backed by science. I'm a student of therapy and Enoch is too. The things that we talk about, they're backed up. And um, while, we not, while we're not professionals or therapists yet, um, everything that we say and claim is backed up by science. We're not just making these claims. And if you do feel that you have a connection with the things that we talk about, we just invite you to go to find a therapist that you like and to start working on these things and um, to start down your path of therapy and just to maybe take our thoughts into consideration on your path to healing. Yeah. Um, like yeah. this, this podcast isn't a replacement for seeing a therapist, mm-hmm. you know, like the best therapy that you can have is going to be to see a, a therapist, whether that be via zoom or in person in person, I think is a lot better. But mm-hmm. nowadays, especially with COVID, Omnicron, <laughs> yeah. this, this new stuff coming out, um, Decepticon. The Decepticon you know. variant, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, sometimes in person can't really work, but we do recommend seeing a professional therapist in your area because then they're able to know exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. And because we don't know you, we can't diagnose an issue that you have, you know, through a podcast that we've never talked to you. We don't know you. We don't know your background. We don't know your birth order, anything, all that. Everything that you, know, you are as a person, everything your that unique can affect life. Yeah. Everything in your life or anything in your life. We don't know that stuff. We're just giving out information mm-hmm. that can be helpful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. It's this information we think will help the general population and just take it into consideration and try to apply it to your life because stuff that I'm kind of prepared is stuff that is specifically helped me with my anxiety in my life. And so um, yeah, I just thought I'd start with that. Just a little disclaimer, you know, protect the, do we have to get our, what about therapy lawyers involved? Cause you know, we definitely have those. Um, <laughs> definitely do. For definitely that. And then real quick, everything that we talk about in these episodes is stuff that we have actually put into action into our own lives and practiced. And so it does work. It's has, it has worked for me anyway. Some of the stuff that we will talk about in this episode, I've had experiences with. And so it's things that really do work, not necessarily saying it guarantee will work for you because mm-hmm. we're all different but we have been able to experience these ourselves couldn't agree more like this is directly out of my life book things that have helped me in my life so um let's see yeah so i whenever i talk to anxiety about anyone or they find out that i am going to school to be a therapist i give my little sermon on the mount about anxiety this that's what i call it i call it to myself in my head um that i feel that modern life in general, is kind of destroying human mental health. And if you think back at the last 200 years, last 300 years, like 300 years ago, it was hard to be a human. It wasn't as easy as it is, it is now, and I'm going to get to that in a second, how that's affecting us, but 300 years ago, humans had to fight to survive. And this is even within like modern history almost, it's like the, the birth of America, humans were still struggling to live. Um, the fact that I found right before I came here to do this podcast is that over the last 200 years, Life expectancy around the world has doubled from 40 years old to 80 years old worldwide. And that's that's because mainly because of public, public health initiatives, vaccines, other um, health and um, surgical modalities, everything when it comes to like actual physical health, but also the globalization that we have and the technological advancements that we've created as humans have created this world that is just, it's amazing, it's a wonder. But at the same time, it's not doing very good for our mental health. It's creating a lot of problems. And um, we're going to kind of get into that as to why it's happening. 
Um, but in my humble opinion, like, again, like we said earlier, I'm not going to hold back. Um, it's kind of created lazy humans in a way it's, we, sure. we, life is a little bit too easy compared to how it was even just a hundred, 200 years ago. Um, life expectancy, even in the last hundred years has, has grown, I think from 60 years old to 80 years old. It's in, in the 19th or in the 20th century, just a hundred years ago, it wasn't that easy to be a human. It's. I always say that you can live your life from your couch. You never have to get up. You can work from home. You can DoorDash everything. You can um, have Walmart Plus delivered to your house. These are all things that I've done. Amazon, yeah, everything that you could ever need and might not ever need on an Amazon order. It could just be directly delivered to your door. And that has created a world and a culture and a society that's a little bit too easy, in my opinion. I think humans need hard work and responsibility. And that's why we're starting to see this huge spike in mental health, even just since 2008. Um, depending on the age range, you see a, we've seen an increase of anxiety disorders up 5 to 15% just in the last 12 years. And you'd think it would be the opposite with these technological advancements and life be getting almost easier and almost funner in, a lot, in some different ways. Um, but for a lot of people, it's quite the opposite. We're getting people with these terrible anxiety disorders, social phobias, and... Um, overall, this feeling of angst and existential dread, even though their lives are extremely easy compared to their ancestors from just 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And with our little modern life perspectives, we try to solve and diagnose those problems through the same lens of modern life and science. With all these scientific advancements, um, we try to solve it with the same modern science, I guess modalities or mm-hmm. ways to fix it, I guess. And that comes in the form, a lot of the time, in the form of pills, because a lot of the time, I, at least in my personal experience as a psychiatrist, they kind of called it a chemical imbalance. I didn't have enough serotonin in my brain. And that's why I was feeling anxious. I didn't have enough dopamine, all these different things. And while that's true, that oversimplifies things. It's not just a chemical imbalance that people with anxiety and depression are dealing with. That, of course, is part of the problem. That's why you feel the way that you feel, and it's so real. But that kind of simplifies humans as just machines with these broken parts that can be easily fixed with these little pills. And this is my other controversial phrase of the night that I'm going to stick to probably the rest of my life unless other information that's presented itself to me will contradict it. But it's that I don't think anyone, maybe not anyone, I think most people with anxiety disorders don't need any type of prescription or medication. And that includes other forms of anxiety relief in the form of like medical marijuana and other things like that. Because it's solving a chemical problem when it's not really... A, it's it's adding more chemicals to what's not a chemical problem. It's like adding fire or adding gasoline to try to put out a fire almost. You're trying to solve a deeply rooted, almost social problem with chemicals. And so, again, the, the thing that I'll probably stick to is that you don't need these pills and prescriptions to solve your anxiety. They might treat the symptoms, which is an important part of healing. You need those symptoms to be alleviated, to start working on yourself and do some of the things that we're going to be talking about today very shortly. But long-term, those pills and those prescriptions, I feel like they can make things worse in the you end of the day. rely on them. Exactly. It can come down to reliance, dependence, and addiction. And again, that's backed by science. You can find any number of studies that show that long-term usage of Anxiety-relieving drugs causes dependence in the long term. It decreases your ability to cope with your emotions on your own without those things. It's a 
chemical dependency. And I think that in the end of the day could make it all worse because not only are you anxious, now you're dependent. And it's a... You're anxiously dependent. That is a a great word. Anxiously dependent on these substances. When in reality, the true solution is, I guess the things we're talking about today is responsibility. And this is just a couple of things, but responsibility, hard work, and also connection with others. Those are the things we're going to be talking about today. But Uh, yes. Real quick. We don't want to make an all or nothing statement. Like, you know, everyone uh, doesn't need... Anxiety pills. Anxiety pills or things like that. But I would say the vast majority of people that say they struggle with anxiety or they have anxiety disorder do not need to be on medication. Exactly. And that's obviously the go-to nowadays Mm -hmm. is due to technological advances and all that stuff. There are so many things that we have to cope with anxiety. Like, I mean, like Austin said, you don't have to leave your house for goodness sakes. If you have... If you're anxious to speak to people, you don't have to go outside and speak to people. Mm-hmm. You, you know? can avoid it completely. Yeah, you can avoid it and you can cope with different things like video games, TV, medication, you pornography. Know, pornography, yeah. all these different things due to these technological advances. They're, it's a good thing that technology is advancing because of the, I mean, all the benefits that we have because of technology. But mm-hmm. it's, there's also a lot of negative things and that's one of them is becoming dependent on all these different things to that help us avoid what's really the root cause of our anxiety or of our depression. And so I would, I'm also going to back Austin up on that is the vast majority of people don't need to be on medication 100%. Mm-hmm. And again, we do recognize that there are people that do need medication and we're not saying that that's wrong. We're just talking about the vast majority of people Mm -hmm. that really don't need it. And unfortunately it's become dependent. Our society has become dependent on medication. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, when I get a headache, my go-to thing is ibuprofen. I don't think of maybe it's because I've been eating crap food all day. So maybe I should drink some water or maybe I need to get some sleep Mm -hmm. or whatever. My go-to thing is ibuprofen. And most of the time I do take ibuprofen and take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) But that just shows you that there are different things to cope mm-hmm. with different uh, issues that we have. I could, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I get uh, yeah, back to it again. Like there's there's people out there that what they're along their journey of healing and coping with anxiety disorders. You might need a little bit of help from medication to raise your emotional baseline a little bit and start working on yourself. And like Enoch said, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not you need long for long term solutions and for overall healing. You're gonna need lot of things and the things we're going to be talking about could be your stepping stone onto that um because you're not just a chemical imbalance in your brain anxiety is not just a chemical problem it's a human problem it's these there's a lot of things that could be leading to your anxiety and pointing like pinpointing it is going to be one of the first steps that's where therapists come very in handy um but some of the things we're going to talk about today could help you understand some of the things that might help you with your journey to combat combat anxiety and when we avoid and try to push these bad feelings away of anxiety and um, almost numb ourselves to them, we're almost losing the meaning that that suffering represents. And there's a really great quote by the um, founder and author, or the creator, I should say, of acceptance and commitment therapy, one of the most, I guess, increasingly more popular modes of therapy um, that 
kind of includes what we're going to be talking about today, which is accepting your anxiety and taking responsibility for your life. He was kind of the one of the first, I guess, pioneers in this realm of yeah. looking at mental health. He has this great quote about purpose and anxiety and all these different things. So I'll just read it right here. He says um, from his book, The Liberated Mind, he says, pain and purpose are two sides of the same thing. A person struggling with depression is very likely a person yearning to feel fully. A socially anxious person is very likely a person yearning to connect with others. You hurt what you care, and you care what you hurt. So that suffering, that anxiety, and that depression isn't just a chemical imbalance, as um, Stephen Hayes says here. That suffering symbolizes something. There's something missing in your life. There's a part of yourself that you're denying and that you're running from by taking those pills or by medicating with some type of substance. You're running from some part of yourself when the reality is you need to turn towards it and start taking responsibility for who you are and working towards the person you want to be. And so, it's, again, it's not just a chemical imbalance. There's something, there's meaning behind our suffering. And so with that being said, that background, I wanted to give them the first thing um, that I feel for me personally has helped with my anxiety and stress in my life and overall angst as a person, and that is responsibility and finding purpose. And those two things go hand in hand. Responsibility leads to purpose, and purpose means you have to find responsibility. And um, one of my favorite mental health, um, I guess, professionals that I draw most of my information from as I study and as I learn is a man named uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist from Canada. He's a professor in Toronto, I believe. And he's written multiple books, um, two that I've read that are amazing, um, 12 Rules for Life, which is the first one, and the second one, which is ironically named 12 More Rules for Life. But in his first book, uh, amazing, <laughs> amazing books, and I recommend them to any person that I'd meet. They're amazing books, and they help me get my life together. And one of the primary things that Jordan Peterson, I should say Dr. Peterson, points out in his first book um, is that taking on responsibility is one of the best ways to bring meaning into your life and then therefore alleviate anxiety and depression. And in his book, he one of the rules that he gives, he calls that standing up straight with your shoulders back, basically meaning that... Um, responsibility um, is taking life head on with no excuses and doing what you can to make the world better and basically doing hard things and committing yourself to hard work. Um, and I love this quote and this is, um, I don't know if it's from his book. I think it might be from one of the lectures he gave cause I don't recognize it from the book, but um, he says that we must adopt as much responsibility as possible for individual life, society and the world. We must each tell the truth and repair what is in disrepair and break down and recreate which is old and outdated. It is in this manner that we can and must reduce the suffering that poisons the world. It's asking a lot. It's asking for everything. Breaking that down a little bit, to me that means that to, to alleviate some of the suffering that you have in your life, this terrible anxiety that some of you and myself have felt in times of your life, we need to do what he says. We need to adopt as, adopt as much as responsibility as we possibly can. And for you, that could be just something simple, like doing the dishes or cleaning your room or um, vacuuming or reaching out to maybe a disillusioned family member that you haven't talked to in a while. Whatever that responsibility is, and I think you are thinking about it as we're talking about this. Everyone knows what they need fixing in their life, in, in my opinion. At least I know for me what I need. And that thing that's maybe nagging you right now as you think, that's the thing that you might need to apply some responsibility to in your life. And that could help bring meaning to your life. And that could be part of the source of your anxiety because as um, 
as Dr. Hayes says in that previous quote, you hurt what you care and you care what you hurt. So to relieve some of that suffering, you need to take responsibility for some of the places that you hurt. If you see every time you walk into your house and you see that huge pile of dishes and you avoid the responsibility by going down and playing Xbox, which is my, <laughs> that is my um, avoidance that's, of that's choice. That's ibuprofen. That's my ibuprofen <laughs> is I avoid responsibility by playing Xbox. Um, of course, my wife could attest to that, but um, that's just an, an example is if, if you keep avoiding that thing, there's a part of you that's going to die a little bit every time as you avoid that responsibility, whatever that responsibility is in your life. The more you avoid it, the more you're going to suffer. It's going to poison your life and the world around you in general, as Dr. Peterson says. So we really have to adopt as much responsibility as we can to start to create meaning in our lives, and that meaning can help alleviate anxiety. Yeah, so I hope you can see why that would create anxiety when you avoid responsibility. Because if, like Austin was saying, the example of the dishes, if you come home every day and you don't do the dishes, that pile is just going to get bigger and bigger and mm -hmm. bigger, and your anxiety is just going to grow with it. Mm -hmm. And so when you take on that responsibility and take it head on, you are having something to focus on. You're focusing on one thing to get rid of that anxiety. You're facing it head on. And that in and of itself gets rid of anxiety. And I love how, I don't know who said it. I think I was just listening to a random podcast, but they said that as human beings, we're not meant to do nothing. Because if you think about it, when you do nothing and you say, I'm bored, why are you bored? Mm -hmm. like, where does that come from? That's a you weird know? thought. Yeah. yeah. Only humans would do something like that. Because yeah. if you just sit there and you say, I'm bored, where does that feeling come from? And you start to kind of get anxious, you know, mm -hmm. when you're not doing anything. And so when you avoid doing nothing and you avoid that feeling of boredom and you give, you give yourself some responsibility... It gives you something to focus on, which takes that focus off of anxiety and off of doing nothing. And as human beings, we're meant to do something. Work hard at something. Yeah, yeah, we're meant to chase something. We're meant to do something and be something bigger than what we really think we mm -hmm. are. And that gives us purpose. That gives us responsibility and will help alleviate that anxiety. Oh, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love that quote. Humans are meant to not, humans are not meant to do nothing. Because yeah. if you think about like... If you take the biblical reference into this, you go into Genesis and the story of Adam and Eve, there's the verse, I couldn't tell you which chapter or verse it is, but it basically says that um, you'll survive by the sweat of your brow. Yeah. And we're getting into a part of life in 2021 where you don't even have to break a sweat. Like I said, the only sweating might be because your sweats are a little bit too hot and your heater's a little too high. Or you're eating too much potato chips. Yeah, and your, or your electric blanket that's <laughs> plugged into the wall that feeds you electricity is a little bit too warm. You need to take it off. And so The meat sweats. Yeah, the meat sweats. Or the meat sweats because <laughs> you went to Takano's and paid for a $40 dinner, which is one of my, again, <laughs> that's probably where I sweat is from meat sweats, but <laughs> or eating too much buffalo sauce. But um, yeah, like it's a really good point. We're not our ancestors, like going back to Adam and Eve, like if you could tell, take that little quote, take it as you may, if you're not a religious person, but that represents what humans are supposed to do. We're, we're meant to work for something. We're spent to like humans, like we used to grow our food and we had to have a good crop. We used to have to hunt for our food or you'd starve. You would that, die. Yeah. If like you did nothing. Exactly. If you sat on your couch or your rock, I guess back then yeah, you would the, just die. The crudes you sit the under your rock. <laughs> yeah. You, you couldn't pull out your smartphone and just, order DoorDash. You had to work for what you got. And so 
um, taking on that responsibility and working hard at something taps into that ancient human that is kind of built to work hard and be rewarded for that hard work. It's hardwired in the brain. Yeah, it's it's deep in the monkey brain. I guess a lot of yeah. scientists call it like the monkey lizard brain, like yeah, that the animal amygdala side the brain. Um, brainstem part of the brain is just hardwired to to work hard at something. And so when you're lazy and you don't do anything, and then I'm not saying that I'm not accusing anyone, I'm kind of accusing myself before I used to be and am a lot of the time still. When you're just lazy and you don't do much, that is that's your ancient self, the ancient human part of yourself that is just crying out, what are you doing with this amazing creation that is your body that used to work hard for things and that could that was is the top of the food chain, then it shouldn't be the top of the food chain. Like we're kind of I don't know. <laughs> we're kind of soft in a way and we're vulnerable, yeah. but we've humans have made it to the top of the food chain on this planet, I guess, in a opinionative way, but in, in a way we are. We kind of dominate this planet and we got that way by working hard. And that kind of seems cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. You know, it's a, it's a stereotype for a reason. The hard work brings meaning to your life. And think about the hardest working person in your life and they probably don't have much anxiety. I think about my father. He's one of the hardest working people I've ever met. And I don't think he's ever said the word I'm or the words I'm anxious. I don't think that's in his vocabulary because he's always working at something. And it's the same with one of my heroes is actually my wife's father. He is just, he just works hard at stuff and he's never not working. And he's one of the most grounded people that I know because he just works hard. He recognizes that hard work brings meaning and hard work brings and responsibility brings a certain amount of almost good feelings in your life that kind of like a dopamine sure. boost yeah. and um he understands that i don't know if he understands that but at least he understands that hard work is worth something and responsibility is worth something and that's something that dr peterson just um chips away at every opportunity i feel like he gets especially in his books that responsibility is so important and again going back to like taking on responsibility and standing up straight with your shoulders back just means finding the hardest possible thing you can do and focusing on that thing single-mindedly. Just focus on something that you know that you can take care of and work hard at it. Again, it can be dishes. It could be a, paper, a homework paper. It could be a conversation with your spouse that you really don't want to have that's causing a lot of problems. But find something that you know that you can do and want to do and probably should do and take responsibility for it. A wonderful quote that he gives. He says this in his book. It's in the first chapter, um, Stand Up Straight With Your Shoulders Back. He says, to stand up straight with your shoulders back is to accept the terrible responsibility of life with your eyes wide open. It means to decide voluntarily to transform the chaos of potential into the realities of habitable order. It all goes back to, again, another biblical, uh, biblical um, I guess, principle that we have agency as humans to choose to do things and kind of choose the kind of life we want to have based off of our decisions. Of course, there's things that we can't control and people just have hard lives because they've drawn a short straw. Everyone away has things in their life that they can't control, and it brings a certain amount of suffering. But there's also at least one thing in every person's life, and I would argue probably multiple things, that they can shoulder that responsibility with their eyes wide open and completely voluntarily. Because everyone's taken on responsibility involuntarily in their life, probably at some point, and that almost the, most of the time just makes things worse and makes you resentful and bitterful, or resentful and bitter. But when you take that responsibility willingly and voluntarily, knowing what it is and why you're doing it, maybe not even know why you're doing it, just know that you probably should and that it's a good thing to do. Um, Dr. Peterson talks a lot about order in his life, transforming chaos, uh, talks a lot about order and chaos in his book. 
I'm transforming chaos into order with this, these 12 rules, one being responsibility. As soon as you take on those responsibilities that you know you should take on, as he says, you can turn the cha the chaos of potential into the realities of habitable order. And so and that kind of wraps up the responsibility portion of my, I guess, sermon that I give people about anxiety. Sermon in the office. Sermon in the office, as we called it earlier, yeah. So real um, quick, before yeah. we move on, something that goes along the lines of this is it brings to mind a Buddhist analogy called the first arrow. Ooh. I don't know if you've heard this. Or I have not. But this kind of goes along of kind of accepting responsibility and accepting what is. So here it is. There are two people. Now, both of these people get shot with an arrow. Okay, it can be like in the leg, let's say. So both of them get shot in the leg. And one of the per one of the people, the first person, accepts that he just got shot with an arrow, right? He doesn't try to avoid the pain. He accepts it. It hurts. He realizes that, I mean, it hurts, but he accepts what happened and he knows that everything is going to be okay. It's not a fatal wound. He knows that, yes, it hurts, but it's going to end. And there is peace in the future. There is comfort in the future. All that stuff is still there, just not in the moment but that is something that he can later achieve. So that's the first guy. He accepts that he got shot and really moves on with his life. Now the second person gets shot in the leg, same place, the same thing happens, but this person really blows it out of proportion, you could say. And I'm sure that you know someone in your life that does the same thing, maybe not getting shot in the leg with an arrow because that's you know kind of a big thing. <laughs> Hopefully you're not happening. That's what I'm doing yeah, on a daily yeah. basis. It could be a big thing, but... This person blows out of proportion. They say, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And this is the worst pain I've ever felt. I'm going to feel this way forever. And they just sit there and cry, moan, and really just start to bleed out. And they don't Chaos. do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. And essentially, they shoot themselves, in a sense, with a second arrow. It's an emotional arrow. Because they just they magnify that pain of what's happening and it just makes it worse in a sense which is like getting shot with a second arrow so that's the analogy of the first and second arrow is that if you just accept what is you can start to make it better immediately but if you blow it out of proportion and don't accept it and try and to try avoid it try avoiding it then in a sense it's like you get shot with a second arrow and you make it worse. And so just learning to accept it and to take on responsibility, to face whatever it is you're struggling with head on and going at it, going for it, that will alleviate the pain, I would say, immediately. Oh, yeah, it for really, me, it, I can really see will. that for me at least, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's the analogy of the first arrow. I love that. Yeah, there's the... It's kind of like an analogy for the types of people in the world. Like, there's the people that... Um, they have the ability and like the, they make the choice to just move on and take responsibility and just to eyes wide open, just to go for it and say that I can't do anything to change this problem, but I can make choices that can alleviate the suffering in other ways. I can take responsibility for my life or there's the, <laughs> I want to say the whiners, but yeah, kind of the whiners. Like, yeah, and, all they do is mope and whine and don't do anything. Yeah. Their life. Yeah. And we're all that person sometimes, but oh, there's, totally, and there's yeah. the people that are, um, maybe a little bit more chronic in that way that they, yeah. 
don't want to take responsibility for their lives and everything is someone else's or something else's fault in their life instead of taking responsibility and saying, this is what I'm going to do. Although it might not be your fault that your life is the way it is, but it is your fault that it's not getting better. Totally. And that's, at least that's my personal view on life. I, when I started adopting that in my life, at least my viewpoint in life and my, my lens of the world got a little bit better when I started realizing that. And I'd never heard that before, but I really like that. Yeah. That's the Buddhist thing, man. They had it, they had it figured out. I'll tell you what, the more and more I learn about them. We'll be, we'll be talking a lot about that. Yeah. The more that they got to figure it out. The Buddhist way. I would, I would consider myself, I mean, I would consider myself a Buddha, Buddhist. (laughs) You're not Buddha. (laughs) I would consider myself an active Buddhist. I mean, an active Buddhist is just simply someone who is seeking to better their lives in a, in a simple way. I mean, simply put, someone who wants to progress and seek to better themselves, whether that be through searching for nirvana or enlightenment, whatever it is. It's just if you're trying to be better, then in a sense, technically, I guess you could call yourself a Buddhist. I mean, that's really all they're trying to do is to better themselves and to have self-control. So anyways, yeah. So back to that, what we were talking about, it may not be your, your fault that you got shot with the arrow, but it is your fault. It is now your problem with what you choose to do with what just happened. Be responsible and do something about it rather than yeah. moan and cry about it. Exactly. It all goes yep. back to everything in life. Just take responsibility for it. It might not be your fault. Just be responsible and do something. You know, again, again like don't do nothing about it. It's just going to make it worse. So just do something. Uh, and that kind of wraps up the responsibility portion of my, I guess, my dissertation on this, like anxiety my relief. My sermon, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the uh, second one that I kind of pulled from a few different places, but the idea came from this amazing TED Talk by a man, I think it'd be to pronounce Johan or Johan Hari. I think he's from England. Um, it's a, the TED Talk is labeled, uh, and I'm sure we'll just add it into the, the show notes. Yeah, um, it'll be in the show notes down below. It'll be yeah. titled... Yeah, I believe the title is uh, "This Might Be Why You're Depressed and Anxious" by Johan Hari. Yeah, and um, basically the story is this man um, when he was young, he had just suffered through anxiety and depression his whole life. He went to a doctor. Doctor told him the scientific answer that it's a chemical imbalance, and all he needs to do is take pills, and he'll feel better. And then surprise, surprise, pills worked for a little bit, ended up feeling worse and worse as he the dosage increased. He became more and more dependent, more anxious, more depressed, and then that built this natural curiosity of why um, humans get anxious and depressed and the things that we can do to fix that that don't involve taking medicine. Because he kind of says the same thing, that while although medicine and medication helps a lot of people and does bring relief to a short period of time for the vast majority of people and helps, and I do want to make note that it does help a lot of people in a lot of different ways, it's not the whole equation and it's not just a chemical imbalance like we were talking about earlier. And he just traveled, this this young man at the time, he would have been a young man, um, he traveled the world talking to the leading experts on mental health and started to gather these reasons why we're anxious and some of the solutions to how we can combat it in a, I guess, holistic way would be the way to do it, but more of like a, a meaningful way to fight back against anxiety, things that will actually heal the problem of anxiety rather than treating the symptoms like medication does. And he talks about a few things in that talk, um, but I wanted to focus on the, the thing that really stuck out to me, which is connection with other human beings. And I wanted to preface it with one of my favorite quotes from the talk. Um, he said, um, at one point he said that humans evolved to live in tribes 
just like bees evolved to live in hives and that we are the first human society in human history to disband our tribes, making us the loneliest society in human history. And you can kind of take out the fact of what the pandemic has done. It's separated a lot of people almost necessarily in a lot of different ways, some ways unnecessarily, but it has caused some separation between humans, like literal social distancing at um, the public health level. Yeah. Stay Stay on that sticker at the Walmart. (laughs) Um, So that is its own thing. But if you think about social media and what's that, what that's done to people and how it in a way connected us networking wise, like we know a lot more people, but, but do we know them? Do we know them yet? I believe in the talk, he says that in a recent, then it was recent. I think this talk was a few years ago, but he said in a recent study done in the United States, almost 39% of Americans didn't feel like they were truly close to anybody anymore. And I, that might be, you have to watch the video and just look out for that, that kind of topic. But that just brings up a good point that um, we don't, a lot of people just don't, aren't connected to people anymore. Like we've just, in a way we've disbanded our tribes. That's part of the reason we became the top of the food chain as we were talking about earlier, the way we dominated the world and became so advanced is that we work together as human beings and that we were part of groups. And like traditionally it was little tribes and like families and villages. And now we're just in these we live in these huge cities. We have these amazing skyscrapers built in a lot of the world, but in those cities, people are just lonely. Even in like the, the suburbs and stuff like that, people are just lonely and they disconnect from the world. And that's part of the hugest, or I guess I should say, biggest reasons that humans are just so, people in 2021 are just so depressed and anxious because we've just lost so much connection with each other. People aren't part of groups anymore. It's all individualistic and it's all about me. It's kind of selfish and um, people don't connect with other people as much as they did anymore. It's all about social media and the DMs and stuff like that. It's genuine human interaction is, it's endangered in a way, just like any other endangered, endangered species. And if you don't believe us, I saw this interesting picture quite some time ago where this artist took a picture of a lot of people with their phones. Okay, they're looking at their phones in front of their face. And what he did was he photoshopped the phones out. He took them out. And so you would just see them. And you would look at their face and you would just, you would think, oh, wow. Like just by looking at that person, like they're sad. Mm -hmm. Like they're depressed, you know, just by looking at them. And so I'd challenge you to go out and, I mean, I don't know how many like situations or circumstances you can put yourself into where you can see a lot of people on their phones. If you're mm. in high school or college, that's going to be easy for you because yeah. you can just go on campus and look for people on their phones walking or sitting down and just cover their phone. Like, you know, put your finger in front of your eye and cover their phone and just look at their face and see what they look like. Probably really depressed. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> like, look sad and they yeah. look depressed. And that's a part of not being really connected to people fully present yeah Yeah. fully present in the moment it's most of the time just scrolling through and not even connecting with people not even like i don't know i mean social media has connected us in a way but at the same time it's not it's almost like a like a faux connection like it's it's connection that's not really connection yeah you tap on people's pictures you get a little heart on instagram and twitter and all that but that in and of itself is garbage because it's just like little dopamine ticks and like it's all, it's yeah. really addicting. And then, and it's proven to be really negative on your mental health. And absolutely. that's why Facebook, Instagram, 
same company at this point, is taking a lot of heat now because of it. Mm-hmm. The, the world is starting to realize, which is a great thing, they're starting to realize that yeah. social media isn't what we thought it was going to be. And it, it is a problem. It is a wonderful thing in a lot of different ways. Like the first initial strides of social media were really cool, but we're starting to see the implications, especially in the younger generation, the ones that have kind of like the digital natives that have grown up with social media where they, they're among the most anxious and depressed people and like they don't know how to handle their emotions are very socially awkward and um, a lot of it has to do with social media and um, I guess if you even like going back to like think of like trying to find a place that um, a bunch of people are on their phones you go to any restaurant at any given time where it's like a sit down yeah, restaurant true. you look around and I, I, I don't I couldn't put a number to it but most people at least at your table and the tables around you I'd say most people are probably going to be on their phones like um, people just don't talk like they used to. Like, and I, just, I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man or anything like that. And I've never really lived in a world like that. Like, I'm, I'm still pretty young right. myself. But you go to any restaurant anywhere, you're going to find a majority of the people just on their phones, not connecting and being present with the people around them. And that's part of the detriment of human mental health. That's We've seen this huge decline over the last 20 years as technology has increased. With, it's separated human beings. And we're not connected anymore. And so that's that's part of the problem and of these like disconnection with other humans and the solution is actually kind of amazing in my opinion the things that i found on this um what i found and it was highly backed by science is that connection with other people just genuine human interaction can release a neurotransmitter in the brain called oxytocin oxytocin is primarily associated with empathy trust and relationship building um and it's what the primary. It's called like the love drug, the love hormone, mm-hmm. the connection hormone, um, and it has been proven that, like through scientific studies and multiple different sources that I found, that as we connect with other humans, that oxytocin is released, and we can find marked reliefs of stress and anxiety just simply by connecting and being around humans that we care about. And the National Institute of Mental Health even said in one of their studies that I found that positive interaction with other people involving touch and psychological support may be health promoting and that social social interaction of daily life as well as a positive environment continually act continuously activate the system the system in question being that system of oxytocin um and so if you're feeling anxious or depressed it might be very helpful for you it's been extremely helpful for me the first initial feeling would be to suffer in silence alone and either because you're ashamed of it or guilty or you don't want other people to know that you're struggling. Um, maybe that's being my main problem is that I don't turn to other people. But if you are feeling that way, turning to someone for help and connecting with people asking for help, someone that you care about, just by simply turning to them asking to help, can release that oxytocin and therefore help you feel better. It can relieve that stress and anxiety. And so, and I guess on the flip side of that, like rather than just going to people for helping yourself. Um, another thing that we can do, and probably the most important thing that a human can do to truly find meaning in their life and to relieve these anxious thoughts and feelings and depressed thoughts and feelings is to simply be a good person and to look out for other people. And as a Christian person, I would say be Christ-like. To develop the characteristics that Christ had while he was on the earth. If you read the New Testament, he was constantly going about doing good and helping other people and looking for ways to help people. And even Dr. Peterson in his book talks about this, that one of the best ways to become to avoid becoming bitter and resentful as a person, and again, going back to the oxy- oxytocin thing, to get a bump of the oxytocin and to feel better, 
is to seek out ways to just be a good person, to help other people and help them with their problems. Reach out to someone that you care about and see if there's anything you can do to them or even just text them and say that you're thinking about them. That connection can give that bump of oxytocin and start relieving that stress. And it can bring that meaning into your life that we've been talking about all night that Dr. Peterson talks about in his books and that really any therapist or mental health professional should talk to you about is finding meaning in life and having a good, genuine, rich, value-filled life. And usually, in, in my opinion, involves other people. And that connection, genuine human connection, and for me, like being a marriage and family therapist, or going to school to be a marriage and family therapist, I should say, marriage would be a huge part of it. It's finding someone that you care about in your life, that you love more than yourself, and Dr. Peterson has this amazing quote that he says that true responsibility comes when you find someone that you care about more than yourself. And so if you're not married or if you don't have someone like that in your life, there's other people in your life that you can turn to, of course. But I would make finding a relationship, someone that you care about enough or care about more than yourself and start to build a life with them. And that may be harder. I know that's harder said than done because I was it was a difficult time finding my wife. It was a long, lonely path and dating sucks especially if you live in utah it's not very fun yeah, very um, true. it's but it's so worth it to find someone that you truly care about that you can always be connected with and share a life with and dr peterson talks a lot about that along with kids as well and i'm not at a point in my life but the data across the board everything i've learned in school so far that having kids is one of the key differences in a happy and fulfilling life and Again, that's just the viewpoint of a marriage and family studies student at Brigham Young University. But it highlights an important aspect of life is that we need other humans to not be sad, anxious, and depressed, and completely bitter and resentful. We need genuine human connection that doesn't happen through a phone. And that kind of sums up my dissertation on anxiety, <laughs> I guess, in a way. that um, Be responsible and have people in your life that you care about. And if you don't feel better after that, then maybe go see a therapist. I mean, you should see I mean, a therapist again, anyways. still go see a therapist. See a therapist, but yeah. try those two things in your life. I, I can only say that it's worked for me and that a lot of what we said, most of what we said, is 100% backed up by science, by professionals, and again, our own personal opinions and study that, that we've learned through our schooling. But adopt some responsibility into your life and um, take challenges head on without complaining. And take find, that arrow to the leg with confidence. With confidence and don't, because <laughs> complaining is only going to make it worse. That's another one of my um, personal opinions that complaining typically makes things worse. There's, there's never been a sol problem solved by complaining, but there's been a heck of a lot of problems that have been made worse by complaining. Yeah. Not to say that complaining is a bad thing. I think venting is a very healthy thing, especially to get things, some things off your chest and to get some thoughts out there to understand them better. Venting is very important. But I think there's there's a healthy way to vent. Yeah, you know, it doesn't maybe involve maybe a difference between healthy venting and just complaining. Yeah, and that might be maybe that'll be a future episode. Um, yeah. How to vent healthfully. Yeah, <laughs> how to truly get things off your chest in a healthy way that won't make things worse. But yeah, just take some responsibility for your life. And do hard things. Work hard at something, and connect with some humans. Join a group. Join a, a club. Something. Whatever that gets you out there. To have genuine connections with people. And not just on Clash of Clans. Exactly. Not right? just on Xbox yeah. speaking to myself. <laughs>
um, yeah, something that really gets you out there that, um, whether that be with family or friends doing something or just sitting with someone and being completely present with them. Yeah. That reminds me of a quote that's been quoted on here a couple times or so. I think it's by Sue Johnson. I'm not sure. Uh, she's the founder of EFT, I think, Emotionally Focused Therapy. Mm -hmm. She says we're meant to deal with emotions in concert with another human being. Yeah, that's her. And so we're not meant to just fix our problems by ourselves. You hear the phrase a lot that I've even used on myself or with others is, hey, before you come talk to me about your problem, fix it yourself, you know, or get your life cleaned up before you help someone else. Yeah. You know? But that's simply not true. More data is coming out that's saying we really do need other people to really thrive in life and to overcome our challenges. We can't just do it alone. We need to work in concert with another human being and not just over Instagram or Facebook or whatever, any social media platform. We do that in person, and that's that's all about connection, you know, connecting to other people. And by doing so, you're able to work through anything that you're going through in a healthier way. Yeah. Rather than just sitting and ruminating about it and scrolling through social media and seeing how much better everyone's lives are than yours and all that stuff. It's, um, it's very important that we stay as humans have always been meant to be working hard with other people, being responsible for something in conjunction with other like-minded and goal-focused human beings, people that care about you and that care about where you want to be. And that can create meaning, it can relieve stress, and it can help you turn, as Jordan Peterson calls it, chaos of potential into the realities of habitable order and desirable order, I should say, somewhere where you want to be in life rather than the anxious, depressed mess that I myself have been. And it was primarily done by these things that we talked about tonight. So awesome. apply it in your life. Give it a shot, you know? Yeah, I mean, it can't hurt. Exactly, right? right? It's, it's not going to make things what's worse. The wor- what's the worst that can happen? If it does, if it makes things worse, you can personally get mad at me. I will take that brunt. And because I know, it's like it wants to guarantee that, like, if you at least try to adopt these things into your lives, that it'll at least get a percent better. I'll give that at least 1% better. The life will, oh, yeah. Your life will get I'll better. I'll back that up. At least that's the 1% guarantee from what about therapy. For sure. Your anxiety isn't going to get worse. How about that? Yeah. That little bit of connection with someone that you love is not going to make anxiety worse. I can tell you that much. A little bit of responsibility isn't going to make your your life worse. And I will guarantee that. Heck yeah. There you go. There. That's it. (laughs) So be expecting Austin to be on more episodes, whether that be next week or the week after that, whatever. He'll be on a lot more. I'm excited for it, too. Hopefully everyone won't get tired of my voice. (laughs) Oh, we can never get tired of your voice. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) All right, everybody. I hope you learned a lot this episode. And again, just really put some of these things into action. These are things that you can do right now. And just really think about your life. Think about things that are causing anxiety. And maybe bolster up the courage to start to face it head on and start with little steps. It doesn't have to be right away. You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to, let's say, go to the dishes example. If it's really giving you mad anxiety, you can start with cleaning one dish, right? One dish at a time and the next day, one dish at a time. But eventually you will tackle that beast and your anxiety will be relieved over that.
So take the baby steps. That phrase is overused, but it's really... For a reason. For a reason, yeah. Especially in mental health, like baby steps or everything. Yeah, baby steps by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We will talk to you in the next episode. Peace. Hey everyone, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. That's how I'll be able to reach and help as many people as I can. If you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any other one of my episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when my future episodes come out. So thank you all so much for your support and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.